Welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage. I'm here to give you a front row seat to the Emmys, Oscars, SAG, and Tony's races. Who is in the running? What makes an award-worthy performance? And what are the secrets to giving one? These intimate, inspirational conversations with some of today's most talented stars provide you, dear listener, the kind of craft and career advice that could win you a statue of your own, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. What is the service? What is the bigger reason why we're doing this in a way that really is selfless, that really is about something that's that's connected to um, something, something bigger and really connecting with that. Oh my gosh, um, I'm so excited to welcome today's co-banterer. Can you please introduce yourself? Sure. <laughs> I don't know what to say exactly. I uh, don't have as many like accolades, but <laughs> okay. I will say my name is Ori. Um, yes. She's Backstage's first In the Envelope intern. Yes. and That's your title. Yeah, that is my title. Do you like working at Backstage? I love it. And you get to do, I, I hope that it was helpful for you to come into the podcast recording studio the other day. Yes, it was. To see the kind of inner workings of how that goes. Yes, it was great. We had Ori sit in on a session. I'm not going to reveal the name of that person because that episode will come out later. But for today's episode, we're featuring someone who, you know her work. Yes. Which is why it's partly why I've asked you in today. Yes. We have Laverne Cox on the podcast today. We do. <laughs> Are you excited to hear it? I haven't I really, really told you anything about to hear it. it. I'm yeah. very excited. Well, but... here's what I don't know if I told you. This is a long one. Yeah. Laverne and I sat down for probably it's over an hour. It's definitely an hour twenty, maybe an hour twenty five. That's great. Depending on how much we edit. But it's worth it. I don't think we're gonna cut much. She yeah. we we dove deep. So you know her from Orange. I do know her from Orange, Orange is the New Black. Black. That's the first time I had ever heard yeah. of her or seen her before, but obviously since then she's been everywhere. Literally everywhere. Yeah. Did you know she's a daytime Emmy? I didn't know for that. For her special that she produced. Yeah. She's Who's the first special? trans person to have a daytime Emmy. Oh, I good know. for her. It's one of her many, many, many firsts. Laverne is a, very much a trailblazer for She's going to be a legend. LGBT I mean, she movement. is a legend. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, she's still breaking through. I remember she was on the cover of Time Magazine like before I that was a thing. remember that, yeah. That was a big turning point. And she's been nominated for three Emmys for, for Orange is the New Black. That's where amazing. Where she, fl- she plays... Sophia Bursett. Bursett, that's Sophia right. Bursett. I think that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. it is. She's sort of like the hairdresser at the at the prison. She is the hairdresser, the very, very resourceful hairdresser. Uh-huh. Yeah, makes she it has happen. To be. Yeah, cool. Yes. Yeah, and she goes through quite a, some painful journeys um, on that show, and it was cool to hear about that in the context of the painful journey that Laverne herself has been on. You'll you'll hear in this interview. She has been through a lot, and I was very grateful to her to kind of bear her soul. And for those of you who study acting, any, truly any acting technique, pretty much all of the acting techniques out there get mentioned in this, in this interview. She's very technical. She's very much a student. What's worth mentioning is Orange is the New Black was one of the first original series that kind of put Netflix on the map. 
And it it just was. Ended. I I actually remember? forgot about that, and I do remember seeing the posters for Orange Is the New uh-huh. Black. I mean, that was a crazy diverse show. It that was. still is. It, yeah. But I think it was at the dawn of this movement of like getting yeah. more diverse faces in front of the camera, behind I, the camera. Netflix really owes it to Orange Is the New Black. Now that we think about it, totally extremely diverse. Lots of representation for Black women, for gay women, for trans women. Completely. And the fact that it's still getting Emmy recognition is that's hard for any show to do. So yeah. it's a great show. Um, I don't think you need to have seen every single episode of that show to understand what we're talking about in this interview because we did focus more on acting craft stuff. But um, let's get to it, Ori. Thank you for joining. Of course, us, anytime me, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Anytime. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hey, are you ready? Yes, you, listener. Are you ready to take the advice and the inspiration you've heard here in today's interview and use it in your own acting career? Is it something maybe you've always considered doing? Are you at the very beginning of your acting career? Are you well into your acting career and you're a fan of this podcast and you're ready to take those next steps? Backstage is here for you. This podcast is brought to you by Backstage and what we are offering listeners to this podcast is a free 30-day trial. That's right. We are giving you 30 days completely free to try out Backstage. All you need to do is go to checkout, backstage.com slash subscribe, and enter the code ENVELOPE. That's right. If you enter the code ENVELOPE at checkout, E-N-V-E-L-O-P-E, that's how you spell ENVELOPE, you get 30 free days on backstage.com. Browse our thousands of casting notices. Learn why it's the world's number one casting platform. If you are an actor and you haven't signed up yet for Backstage, I don't know what to tell you. Get on it. Award-winning actress, producer, and activist Laverne Cox just received her third Guest Actress Emmy nod for Genji Cohen's female prison drama Orange is the New Black. As the first openly transgender performer to be nominated for a Primetime Emmy, the first openly trans woman to win a Daytime Emmy for her special Laverne Cox Presents The T-Word, and Broadcast TV's first trans lead in CBS's Doubt, Laverne has been blazing trails since her early days dancing in Mobile, Alabama and studying acting in New York City. We are honored to welcome Laverne Cox to the podcast. Um, are we recording now? Are we in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Are we in? Okay. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I'm like, <"We're>, <laughs> have we started? Welcome. Hi. How are you? I am... <laughs> I'm having a challenging day. I'm sorry to hear that. Life on life's terms. The great thing, though, I thought today, I had a moment of thinking, should I cancel? And I said, I don't mm-hmm. like canceling. And then I thought, you know, what's great about this is um, what what Brad Calcaterra, one mm-hmm. of my acting teachers, would say, what Susan Batson, another of my acting teachers, would say, um, Kimberly Harris. Uh, most of my acting teachers would say, use it. And so since we mm-hmm. are... Since we're here uh, backstage talking <laughs> to young actors, that um, the thing about an emotional crisis is as emotionally devastating as it is, as devastating to the nervous system as it as it has been sure. for me today. Mm. It is. I literally was having a moment today. I was like, oh my God, I need to play, I need to play like Lady Macbeth right now, or I need to play like something really intense. Cause like (laughs) my life is like 
today I need to, so 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 the, so it really is gold when you are going mm. through something and then that is when we start we should be tracking what's going on and getting really really curious yeah. um, if we can to monitor it because these are the things we may need to bring up yeah um, rather than shut down yeah. yeah yeah the shutdown is not useful for the actor finding right. a way to um, to live in whatever the the, the sensations are, because they're really just sensations. Sure. To live in that um, will be very useful information. Sure. Like I had a, I remember I had an old theater teacher who used to say in rehearsals, when you're sick or when you're having a really rough emotional day, that that is actually a great day to come to rehearsal because it's about uh, you know living in that character and and doing the part in a variety of different circumstances. Human beings have good days. Human beings have bad days. And our work as actors is to create walking, talking, multidimensional human beings. Mm -hmm. And multidimensional human beings have bad days and good days and... (laughs) You have a lot going on. Yeah, thank God. But then also it's like... Yeah. Self-care. Oh, Um, self-care. I was going to say, like, you're keeping an eye on your work-life balance. I mean... (sighs) (laughs) That would be a no. Um, (laughs) Nope. I think... The what what I am doing, I mean, now I am I'm I'm newly single. What I, I did I did ah. hang out with friends last night and that was very healing. Was that MJ um, Rodriguez? MJ Rodriguez. Friend of this of podcast, them. MJ Rodriguez. Oh, MJ's <laughs> in the podcast. MJ Rodriguez and my friend Peppermint. Yes. We, um and we've been friends for been friends with MJ pre pose, friends yeah. with Pep, like I mean, Prep and I have been friends like at least eighteen years. You have some very cool. Um, you run in some very cool circles. Um, yeah, it's it was. I like literally last night. I was like, we have been friends since before all of this started. You know, Which is amazing. And um, I, I mean, I could cry right now thinking about how wonderful it is to have people who have been there um, since before all of the the you know, pomp and circumstance who just know you and loved you yeah. then and still love you. Yeah. Um, that is an, an incredible gift. And I'm so proud of them and just so grateful that we all are living our best lives in so we many really ways. Are. Yeah. yeah. And even if you weren't, even like you said, you're good friends without the success. That's how you know they're yeah, good friends. Absolutely. And so I'd love to hear about the success because I know that you had sort of like a... It's safe to say your narrative is one like it was about 2013 that things blew up for mm-hmm. you. I'd love yeah. to hear about the before and, and yeah. about the after. Yeah. Take me back to the very beginning. Like, first of all, when were you bit by the acting bug in particular? Well, I started out as a dancer mm-hmm. um, when I was... I think five years old. I well, before I was five, I danced around all the time. I always had music in my head. I was always dancing. And at five years old, I decided I wanted to um, be a professional dancer. And I started begging my mother Ballet. to put me into dance classes, ballet, jazz, <laughs> tap, anything. Cool. So f- I remember five years old. I'm like, I w- can I take dance classes? Can I take dance classes? Cool. And then I remember, I think I was six, and my I was in karate, and I was like, this is not what I asked for. And oh, um, <laughs> that's different. Yeah, it's really different. <laughs> and finally, by the time I was in third grade, my mother um, heard me and found a program called Culture in Black and White, which is an arts program for low-income kids in my hometown of Mobile, Alabama, mm-hmm. where I got to go once a week and study uh, dance. I, I started with tap and jazz. Um, my mom thought ballet was 
too gay, and so I didn't I didn't do ballet <gasps> mm-hmm. at the time. And at the you know at eight I wasn't going to argue with that. I was just like so happy to be dancing, and then I she I finally gotten you know gotten her to get me there, yeah. and so it really. And then I started. Um, like doing choreographing dance routines and doing talent shows okay. all over um, <laughs> my hometown. And then I was part of a youth organization and they had these conventions. And so I did talent shows like all over the Southeast oh. and there are many trophies, like um, oh. some occasional first place trophies and <laughs> a lot of second place trophies, uh-huh. a few third place trophies in my mom's house in Alabama uh, from all the talent shows I did when I was, um, when I was a kid. So I started out as a dancer, but whenever, when I would get bullied and stuff, I would, um, I always had um, music in my head and so I was dancing all the time and there was always characters. I always like felt um, character was attached to movement for me and so I felt like I was sort of making up these characters through movement so I always sort of felt like I was an actor and I Mm. would transition into acting because you can't, you know, sort of dance your whole life according to some of the... um, the lure and so I always knew I would be eventually be an actor but I always felt like an actor who danced Mm. so I didn't officially start acting acting until college um I um went to the Alabama School of Fine Arts in Birmingham Alabama for high school and that's when I started my ballet training Mm -hmm. um with Dame Sonia Arva a dame uh she's a dame yes um I forget who knighted her um but she was Dame Sonia Arva and Tor Sitowski who was her husband and I started my um um, classical ballet training there and then I did a a number of I got very serious about ballet and did some summer school programs I um the first time I went to New York I was at Joffrey I had a scholarship at Joffrey Ballet School and then I went to Houston Ballet Academy one summer and then I went to Universal Ballet Academy in DC um, which I think is just now called the Bolshoi School but at the time they called it Universal Ballet Academy, but but it's the um, teachers from the Bolshoi Ballet um, mm. who um, have a school in D.C. here in the states, and so yeah, I got really serious about ballet. In. Yeah, yeah in in high school, and then I was a dance major in college. I, I went to Indiana mm. University for two years with a dance scholarship and an academic scholarship. Then I transferred to Marymount Manhattan College, mm-hmm. um, and finally I was in New York City, and that's when I started acting. I'd done some, I'd done musicals when I was at IU. I was in um, Hair and Pip. Been. And I'd done some musicals in high school, but I did my first quote unquote straight play or non musical play when I was at Marymount. It was my first semester there. I was a dance major, but there was a um, guest teacher named Daniel Banks at uh, Marymount that semester. He saw me in the hall and he thought I'd be perfect for this play oh. he was doing. That's how you were um, like cast? Yeah, he saw me in the oh. hall. And at the time, I was in this sort of gender non conforming space. I, um, okay. I, I was a huge fan of big, wide legged bell bottoms. I remember I had this pair of black and white bell bottoms. <laughs> Bottoms. I had gone from like the Salvation Army or something, yeah. a Salvation Armani. And I <laughs> um, had a shaved head and I, at the time oh. I was shaving my brows and drawing them on every day or if I didn't have time, I'd be browless and that was not cute. Um, but I'm I, sure it was cute. But I found a way to get my lashes on every day. My first year <laughs> lashes, at Marymount. Yes, brows, no. I so my, my and everybody thought that I had naturally really long lashes oh. at Marymount. And I think like, no one spooked that <laughs> they were like... <laughs> Extensions. Um, anyway, but um, Daniel Banks saw me in the hall and said, you'd be perfect for this play I'm doing. Wow. And I didn't understand that I should have gotten permission from the dance department to like audition for, um, for another plays. Department. Oh. But, I, but I did, and I got cast. And the play was Andorra by Max Frisch. Okay. Um, and I played the village idiot who grinned and <laughs> nodded. I didn't have any lines. And I just, but I would just grin and nod. And can I tell you, I stole the show with no I'm lines. Sh- I'm sure you did. <laughs> 
Well, also, it makes sense that you, with the dance background to have like that was a very physical performance. Exactly. A body language. But he, but Daniel was the first teacher who um, told talked to me about being neutral. What it meant to sort of because I was sort oh. of all over the place. So so get, sort of becoming neutral with the body was the um, mm. was the first time a teacher told me that, and that neutrality was mm. central to the idiot that I played in um, in um, Andorra. You had more of a musical theater sensibility of like showmanship and like flashy and I think you know, I think so I think so I yeah. that that first semester at Marymount too I ended up auditioning for a musical um um Charles Strauss who um um composed Annie yes and um oh. Bye Bye Birdie he was a guest teacher at Marymount that semester my first semester there and he did a musical review called Can't Stop Dancing where he um took a lot of his uh, famous songs from different um oh my god from his catalog and rewrote the lyrics and created this um uh, musical review for the students at Marymount Marymount and I auditioned and I remember I was um I was just big and and just all, sort of all over the place mm-hmm. and and I remember it's, uh, several callbacks for Charles Strauss but I finally got cast in it um and yeah so that my first semester at Marymount was I did I did a, I did indoor I did can't stop dancing and then I had to hit all my stuff in the dance department that I had obligations there because I was on a yeah. dance scholarship so yeah and the dance department was not happy in. that I was doing all this stuff in the theater department but I right. managed to Never be late for any rehearsals, and I, mm-hmm. I juggled it all because um, I was in New York. That's what I was supposed to do. That's what, yeah, I mean, that's what you're still doing. You're very good at juggling a lot of different things. But it sounds like one of those things where the path is like the universe or the forces at work or whatever are calling you to the drama department as you're doing the it's dance. It's funny because then, then I started actually taking um, acting classes mm-hmm. um, and do, do, I did some other stuff. I kind of was more active in the theater department when once I got to Marymount than I yeah. was in the dance department. Dance at the time, when I, by the time I got to Marymount, my gender stuff was really kicking up big time and j- dance was so gendered, especially ballet. It was like, I was, sure. I, we were like you had to be very masculine and dance like a man and I never, whatever that means, right? But sure. I never, and I never really did that and so mm. it just got harder and harder for me to, um, I was just sort of done with it, and then I was finally yeah. in New York. And I, when I got to New York in 1993, it was the sort of height of the club kid um, oh, yeah. movement in New York. And so I was literally going to Lime Limelight Disco 2000, oh. and I would be out till the club closed at four or five. But I would be, I remember just being out till like six in the morning, and I had Martha Graham technique at seven thirty. <laughs> so I would like oh, these are the things that you can do when you're, you know, very young. Like you can literally stay up all night and then go sure. to ballet class like an hour later and or in this case Martha Graham technique um which is so wonderful I'm so mm-hmm. grateful Mar Benham was my um, Graham teacher and I'm so grateful I got to study Graham it was the first time I had studied Graham and it really just there's something so much about that technique that I feel like I bring with me to um to this day in my work as as an actor as an actor yeah I, I love, feel like I'm digressing all over the place but. um that's what we love no <laughs> I love the um I'm fascinated by outside and approaches for acting for mm-hmm. acting craft. And it, is it safe to say that like I love the idea that Martha Graham is informing your creation of a TV character? Like what Martha Graham does honestly, the Graham stuff comes in more with photo shoots and like fashion <gasps> shows and oh. I did it when I walk in New York Fashion Week or mm-hmm. the ballet comes in a lot in photo shoots okay. um, and flow. But then it also it depends on the role. There might be a role that's yeah. It depends on the role. So um a lot of a lot of my work over the years with um I mean, it depends. Like when I, when I did Rocky Horror, it was very physical. I was going to say um, that That's was very dancey. physical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, it was a musical, so that makes sense. Yeah. But then some of the a lot of my um, training with Susan Batson and then with Brad was 
being being physical, but like sort of trying to t- go, kind of go, going to neutral, kind of taking away thing. some mm-hmm. a lot of my Lavernisms and a lot of my because <laughs> I am I am a character all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you had noticed. I, love that. Um, I think that's safe to say. Mm-hmm. I think I've always been a character, and so trying to finding in the acting technique ways to sort of strip all of that back yeah. and then build up someone new. Yeah, when uh, it when I it's appropriate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exoskeleton. It's like a taking off the layers and then rebuilding new ones. Yeah, and a lot of my tra- and I was thinking as I was having my uh, little breakdown earlier today that so much <laughs> of my training as an actor with Susan especially with Susan Batson, was about, um, by the time I made it to Susan, I think it was 2001, 2002, I started training with her. Um, I had so much trauma, childhood trauma that I hadn't dealt with, so much bullying, abandonment, Mm -hmm. abuse that I had not dealt with. And I had gotten this very elaborate cover these all these defense mechanisms yeah. as a mm. way to not show people that I was hurt by all the horrible things that had happened to me and to, bury and to I was trying to I had buried it very yeah. sufficiently very successfully I th- so or so I thought and mm. but I had this very elaborate cover that was all artifice and so mm. then and I had like I had personality and I had like you oh, know, yeah. presence. Yeah. But but when I got to Susan, I had to get had to get through all of those layers of defense, and it mm. was like it was like an exorcism that yeah. took mm. years, oh. that took years and a lot of pain and a lot of, a lot of and, and Susan Batson's process is based in sense memory. It's her own oh. process. I would I always recommend people read her book. She has a book called Truth. Um, mm. And her process is, it's su- very much Susan's um, own process, but she's a member of the Actors Studio. She studied with Lee Strasberg. She studied okay. with Uta Hagen. Um, and then sort of, mm created this whole um, process and that I, and I'm not sure and maybe some of the backstage um, 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 listeners of this podcast can can let me know if there's another mm. teacher who talks about the unfulfilled need in the way that Susan Batson does and I think my teacher that I'm working with now here in LA Kimberly Harris studied with Susan back in the day and so we talk about the unfulfilled need but that is it mm. again comes from Susan's process and I don't know other teachers who really deal with the unfulfilled need okay. of a character. Have you, do you know? If you, do you know I don't know if I know about? that term. I know like super objective. It sounds like is that similar to the idea of like what a character wants on a deep, 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 deep level? Well, yes. But um, the way Susan would distinguish it is that the unfulfilled need is it is something that we all develop as human beings by the age of five years old. Mm-hmm. The example she gives, I hope she doesn't mind me saying, she sells it to all the students. <laughs> um, the example she gives is that she says that she has a need for, for, for a mother. And so usually, mm-hmm. and, um, and people can't usually sort of go out in the world with their unfulfilled need just on their shoulders. Right. So we cover and we do, and we often act in opposition mm-hmm. to that unfulfilled needs so if you need it so she needs a mother and so in turn she mothers everyone else and so often what we do as human beings is actually in direct opposition to what we actually need and so that unfulfilled need um, is something in an ideal world of of acting is infused in every beat of what the character does and that unfulfilled need can be expressed in the tragic flaw and a tragic flaw for me is something that is often where I start with the character what sort of gets in the way of um, that unfulfilled need and, and, and the way Susan defines the tragic flaw is the um, tension between the unfulfilled need and the public persona. Um, mm. 
I think I'm getting this right. I have, I mean, this is my interpretation yeah. of it. This is my interpretation of Susan Bassett. <laughs> so the tension between the unfulfilled need and the public persona. So the public persona are those okay. covers we have. For me, it was that elaborate kind of cover defense mechanisms that I had, you know, personality that I developed to like not show people my vulnerabilities and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the tragic flaw is the tension between those things. Often addiction, often um, oh. things that, um, char character be... defects, yeah. um, where we, if we're all, often kind of always blaming people or accusing people mm -hmm. of things. Um, the things that sort of get in the way of us um, fulfilling that unfulfilled gotcha. need. Yeah. Um, the things that sort of, j the need jammed up is also another way Susan would sort of um, uh -huh. define the um, the tragic flaw um, of the character. And I think, and, and when we, and the her whole process is about creating a walking, talking human being. So yeah. that like, she says that you need to know how a character goes to the toilet, you know? Sure. Um, and so, Hmm. In building, she has a bunch. She has a bunch of exercises. Uh, usually, it's the private. We start, you know, with a private moment, um, and the developing your own method. Um, um, class that she teaches at her studio. You start usually start with the character private moment, and then there's some an, usually some animal work that she'll bring in, oh, wow. um, so oh. that you can physicalize the character, um, character in, in a place of defeat. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that this week. <laughs> From a place of defeat, character in a place of defeat. Um, yeah, just some really great exercises um, to get you to live in the character boat. That process for me. Because I had so many defenses up that I yeah. had to um, have this exorcism, this excavation, this this sort of stripping of layers. The way Brad talks about it is that it's like bean dip, uh, like seven layer bean dip. <laughs> that there's like so you you know there's one layer of the bean dip that comes and there's another layer yes. underneath that, and another layer and another layer and another layer. And underneath all that is yes. like the core of who we are. And we and and we as actors have to get to the core of who we are yeah. so that we understand how to give that to um, a character. And it start right. it starts with our own uh, stories, our own personalization. And so then, so a, hmm. a character might have a different accent from me or they might walk differently or have a different backstory right. but that core unfulfilled need human stuff is has to be mine it has to be it has to be gotcha. personal um Ugh. it has to be personal like, so anyway you... i feel like i'm rambling on and on and on no and this is really so dorky technically it's so dorky you've seen you've studied from a lot of different people I, I love hearing this kind of stuff it sounds like um I want to talk about how this all relates to being queer because it sounds like the mm. queer experience has a lot to do with like burying the trauma and oh, having yeah. to excavate. Yeah. But it sounds like the theory goes you can't create a character. I mean, of course you could. You could create a character and maybe it's not very thorough without the process of being truly, truly, truly honest with yourself down to your deepest yeah. layers yeah, and reckoning with yeah. that. And Absolutely. like you said, it takes years. It took you years. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, the the... I don't. I don't actually identify as queer. I identify. Mm. I identify as stra a straight In terms woman, of who's trans. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I'm obviously transgender. And so, but when Brad started um, his act out class, Brad Kakotera started his act out class in 2010. I was one of the. I was in the inaugural class. That's so cool. And it was a class that he started for LGBTQ actors to work on our stuff. And it, yeah. it, he's he's it started as a response to at the time a lot of. Um, 
I think Kyla Clemente had just committed committed suicide, and there were, there were a bunch of mm. LGBTQ suicides at the time. And he was like, "What can what can I do?" Oh, um, and sort of response to that. And then he was noticing that a lot of his um, LGBTQ actors, particularly gay and gay and lesbian actors, weren't booking the gay roles. And he was like, "What's up with that?" And he found mm. that. For LGBTQ people, when we had an impulse as a child, um, mm-hmm. we our hand would be swatted away from that impulse. If he, yep. you were assigned male at birth and you wanted to reach for pink, your hand was swatted away. If you were assigned female at birth and you oh, wanted yeah. to reach for blue, your hand was swatted away. And so then we... Um, through a process of shaming and socialization, mm-hmm. we didn't trust our impulses and we were constantly in the space of second guessing. And so much of, of, of Brad's process and so much of um, sort of a Meisner approach is about having that um, that impulse and going with the impulse, yeah. having having uh, and, and not uh, second guessing it. And right. the moment you sort of have an impulse and second guess it, you're not in the moment. Mm-mm. You're not in the moment. And so a lot of I what see. Brad's class was about for me me was trusting my impulse more but then what Brad also does is a lot of foundational work that gets you gets you under that to the core of that bean dip that gets mm-hmm. you and he, and he and it's a different approach from Susan it's similar but it's different and and uh, because he talks you through a lot of it in the act out class is an improvisation based class and so ah. he would sort of you know you would um he would ask you you know what was your first sexual experience like but then now do it as freud and now do it as blah <laughs> and then so he would yeah. um, he would layer on different sort of character <sighs> choices um with that but then uh, all of it was about getting to um, your core, and then sort of reality checking in a very sort of Brene Brown kind of way. Um, mm. These stories that we told ourselves about ourselves. So there would be moments of like we would tell, you know, for me, I, I would be in class and I would say, um, talk about just feeling ugly and feeling um, unlovable, and um, mm. and then he would everybody close their eyes, and then has anyone else felt that way, and then like. Oftentimes, everybody in the room, they would raise their hand. And then so the person who is in this space of ultimate vulnerability, Mm. oh, wow. Yeah. This person who's in the space of ultimate vulnerability has uh, a mirror that they're not alone. They're not the only one who's felt that. And um, what Brene Brown says about shame is that it dissipates 85% when it is met with empathy. So empathy is the anecdote to shame. Uh, uh-huh. And empathy is empathy is me too. Empathy is um basically that that you're not alone. It's this it's it's yeah. it's when we hold empathic space with someone, it's about sort of going into the darkness with them and letting them know that they're not alone. And yeah. shame, the way shame works, shame um, she defines shame as an intensely painful belief that one is unworthy of connection and belonging. Oh. She says that um, guilt is, I'm sorry I made a mistake, and shame is I'm sorry I am a mistake. Oh my God. And so the thing about shame is that it isolates us. It makes us feel it's like isolating. we are the only one going through something Mm -hmm. and that we are unworthy of connection and belonging and human beings um crave connection and belonging love and belonging are in immutable needs of human beings according to her work and i I think that's true um and so then it isolates us and so what empathy does is it connects us and it makes us um see that we're not alone the first step is just seeing other people and so that 
healing process, that that space of being able to, in Brad's class, of being able to share our shaming, our shame story, have it met with empathy, it begins to heal that process. Mm-hmm. And so then it's not as hard to stand up on a stage or go on camera or be at an audition and just unzip. Brad would just mm-hmm. call it unzip and just expose all your stuff, you know, because um, yeah. we've done it already and we've done it in a safe place. Ideally, right. a set should be safe, hopefully, and a stage and with the director sure. should be safe so you can continue to unzip as an actor mm-hmm. and, and reveal the deepest, darkest um, parts of yourself because that is that is what we're doing. We want, ideally, someone to see a television show or see a film or a play and 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 see themselves and see the truth mm. a, a deep human truth that allows them to to see themselves to understand the human condition better and ultimately mm-hmm. to heal and to have that empathy yeah to see that becomes less isolating if you see yeah. someone giving that honest performance yeah is it when you say unzip in character when you're performing a character are you unzipping the character to reveal the character's seven layers of bean dip or is it also you yourself? Or is it like Well, it's both. both. Okay. I think it's both. And I think I'm cool. finding finding what the distinctions between where you like where you where you end and the character begins. Hmm. I, I think again, I think the emotional life is all yours. And it's um okay. and I th- but I think what so so often I'm I've been doing a movie, um I've been doing an action movie. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Called Jolt oh, um, with uh, yeah. Kate Beckinsale. I'm going to have a few weeks um, cool. uh, break and Bobby Cannavale and Stanley Tucci. It's like like really lovely people. Are you doing action stuff? I'm like, doing action stuff. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but with that character, she, um, it, it's my emotional life, but when I, she talks a certain way and she, she, mm-hmm. she there's a physicality that, um, gotcha. that um, Nevins has. Um, Nevins, uh, Angela Nevins is her name. She's a, so there's a physicality that she has yeah. that gets me into, there's a, there's a phrase, you know, a, a phrase that gets me into the way she talks. Gotcha. And there's a, there's a physicality cool. that gets me into her, Angela, that is distinct from Laverne. Cool. And it, it, it's, resembles Laverne to people maybe because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the um, actor playing her. But for right. me, there needs to be something specific that is not me, um, that gets me into gotcha. whoever this person is. And it's often physical sometimes, and it's mm-hmm. often physical and it's vocal because the emotional life, again, is, um, it has to be mine. It, it has to be yeah. like how I would honestly react. And if it's not, there are some situations where I like, you know, when I would play Dr. Frankenfurter, I'm not a murderous sociopath. Um, <laughs> but that's goodness. like a heightened other It's heightened. It was world. camp. It was so, so, you know, my, but then, but at the same time, I don't know, because it's like when, hmm. if you have, because I have so much empathy for Frankenfurter, ultimately Frankenfurter had this whole evening planned where um where she was going to reveal um rocky this amazing yeah. creature like i've created life right and i yeah. have this whole plan at this convention and then brad and janet sort of come and sort of fuck it up and i yeah. and when they come when they come i think I have, I'm going to have control, I'm going to fuck with them, and they're going to be part of my show. But mm. then when when Janet sleeps with Rocky, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's on. You know, and then when Eddie, and there, there are constant interruptions, and then when Eddie comes <laughs> in, we have to... So it was... I, so, so in a way, like, yeah, I'm not a murderous psychopath, but I don't... 
I didn't approach Frankenfurter as a murderous psychopath. I approached Frankenfurter mm-hmm. as someone who well, wasn't certainly an alien, but wanted love, wanted love and attention and... Hmm. That finally, I had made this this person who was gonna love me, and uh-huh. um, and that's very personal for that me. That's personal. not, and I think that's that. So in. as I so as I talk about it, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not a murderous psychopath, but like, I don't think murderous psychopaths like think they're murderous psychopaths. It's like we all True. want something <laughs> and need something, yeah. and I wanted and needed, I needed love. Um, that was her unfulfilled need. Yeah. Absolutely. I love talking about um, the idea of giving an honest, honest, honest performance, even in something as campy as that. Yeah, I mean, but there, but I think the camp, even for Frankenfurter, is part of, I mean, when I <gasps> camped up, it was part of, like, my need for one attention, for love, yes. for... One of the um, shields. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what it was for me when I was, <laughs> you know, had all these the layers dip. that I had to... And so the bean dip layers, those are also... Uh, accent, like you said, a walk, mm-hmm. a, a certain way to say a line. Yeah. So is it safe to say, too, that like one of the factors that helps you construct that character inside out is writing or directing? Like for this Jolt movie, you said that you saw a line that then indicated, oh, this is how this character talks. It... <sighs> Sometimes it's the rhythm of of something. Sometimes it's yeah. just a choice. and Sometimes it can be an arbitrary choice. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes if it's like... If it's if you're doing some like intense theater where there's you know a time period or someone who actually lived, then you can get mm. accused that way. And sometimes it's just a choice. Sometimes it's just like I want her to be this way. Yeah. And so I just She's like have and with Jolt and with Jolt because it happened really quickly, I had to make some really quick choices. So right. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. And sometimes that's really fun because I just it's because then you're, I'm in impulse and I just trust the impulse yeah. and go with it. And so often because we we have. All of our preparation, and then um, and Susan says this, and then like Viola Davis in her talk, I'm, she's like yes. acting goddess to me. Same. Um, and she in, a, in a, an interview was saying that like we do all the all of our preparation, all our biographies, and all of our things, and that's awesome. And, but then when you get to the set, you let all that go, and you Straight have up. to trust yep. that it's all there, and you live in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then you and then the impulsive stuff, the whatever reaction you have to whatever, and the stimuli reaction reacting to external stimuli is yeah. what we do as actors. Maybe it's something the director said. Maybe it's something the act or the act, actor did. Yeah. There's something about the circumstances. Allow yourself to sort of Love. be stimulated by the environment, by and just be open, open, open to whatever yeah. you know. And and it's been different things for me. I was thinking about um, the episode I'm nominated for an Emmy for uh, with Orange Is the New Black. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I, that's still it's still. I'm trying not to be as overwhelmed as I was the first two times, but it's just overwhelming. It just is. It's like holy. Shit. It. Like people yeah. thought, like my work was was good enough, you know, to nominate me. It's beautiful. And other actors, it's just it's it's an incredible mm-hmm. honor. But I remember that um, when we were shooting that episode, Laura Prepon was directing, and she oh, said wow. something to me just about um, it was about what it just meant, what it meant to me, and it was just in in this moment. Um, spoilers. I feel I'm I'm so programmed not to give I after know. seven years. I'm so programmed not to give any spoilers away, even though it was season six. It was last year. And it was a year ago when we shot it two years ago. Um, but there was something Minor that spoiler alert. Meant, spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, that um, I'm basically offered the chance to get out of prison, you know, yeah. early and to really just and drop into that, you know, um, and I'm offered money. And yeah. so like, what does this mean to you? And so it just was an invitation to super person to just deeply personalize it. And 
that's all it took and maybe it was the way she said it I love being directed by actors Um, Mm -hmm. maybe it was the way she said it it was the way she looked at me I was just open to it and and I've had had five seasons and like hell and back of living this woman that it just it it just dropped in for me and it was just and it changed it changed the the, changed the scene for me I love that and and also too sometimes the external stimuli is just about getting a new moment to happen because the camera needs to see a new moment happen so a new moment when 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 we prepare and if we think we when i when i prepare cuz i mm. i i been an actor who over prepares sometimes mm-hmm. and I had to I had a job where I had to let that go because I didn't have time you're too rigid um, yeah, 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 and yeah. So, but I but so I had the performance and the arc yeah. I'm like it's gonna arc this way and then my knee yeah. beat is gonna be here and then <laughs> I'm gonna you know I'm like really like you know unable to be it out. like flexible yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of I mean I think yeah. I, I think one of my strengths is that I can you can adjust me that I, I take direction mm-hmm. and I can do something any number of ways. I that is part of my training with Brad. That yeah. that like I don't get stuck in doing something. When I historically when I over prepared, I have rehearsed line scenes multiple ways so that I have options. Right. Okay. However, hmm. even with all of that, there needs to what I've learned over the years, and this has just been working. That I need to allow space for something that really what the camera needs is just something. An aha in the moment. The the, the camera ah. needs needs to see something happening right then and there. Needs to see a realization. Needs to see a reaction that is authentic and real in the cool. moment and not pre predetermined. And so hmm. even some. So I've I've had scenes go in completely different directions than I thought they were going to go. Right. And some of that was just about getting a real moment to happen, not the, just getting something real and truthful and unexpected yeah. to happen. Yeah. Um, that hopefully continue to tell the story the way that the director sure. and the writer and you know intends and it's and so much of it really is about i've had to uh, many times let go of the story i thought was being told yes. and then uh, the story i wanted to tell and surrender to what my director wanted okay. and wants and what the writer wants yeah. and okay. that and and that and I, I've talked to a lot of actors who get really frustrated with that. And you know, okay. I, I have to say, I'm not, I, you know, I used to be. I used to be because mm-hmm. I was like, I gave this great moment and they didn't use this and they used that. Totally. And I was frustrated because I wanted the scene to go one way. And I'm just, now I'm like, I, we are kind of like, we're like musicians in an orchestra and the director is the conductor. Uh-huh. And each performance is... It's we, different, but the but the conductor is shaping it, yeah. and we are tools in that. Mm-hmm. On stage, it's different. On stage, it is yours. Say, right. It is your performance. You can. You, it's crafted in a very different way. But um, on 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 camera, it is really about the director. It's about the yeah. editor. On TV, it's really about the writers. And so mm-hmm. I I have to surrender to that, and I can't be precious about it. I did a pilot right. a few years ago, and it was so. Um, it's called The Trustee. We shot it up in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And um, the way we shot it, it was um, a lot of physical comedy. And the character I played was, she had a lot of physical comedy. And they would like, okay, do it. And then we'd just do a series of the line. As I, we would do it. And then it was like, okay, give it to me this way. Give it to me that way. And I just sh- shoot out like five or six different ways of doing the line. That's the new moment. And, and that's the, and what happened yeah. when I saw the, um, when I saw the episode, I was like, oh, they used that one. 
Because you, if you do six <gasps> yeah. takes of something, you... Sometimes wildly different. Wildly different. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't beholden to any any of the ways. I'm like, well, I gave them all the options. This gotcha. is what they wanted. And I cling to one of the ways if it's like... Yeah. Just trust and so, the editor and yeah. Yeah. And just hopefully trusting that... Um, and they're not always right. I mean, it's, I had sure. a, I had a conversation with a director um, recently. It was, it was really interesting. I did a, oh, I shouldn't say, uh, no naming <laughs> but names. But I had um, I had a scene. I had a scene that was I played a character who was very, like you know, the strong woman. I play strong women, I guess, because you know I'm a strong woman. Mm-hmm. And but the we um, we actually improvised a scene that was really vulnerable. Okay. And some of the um, Male producers, I was told, Lord, um, this is oh. like potentially going to give it away. I, I worked, luckily, I've worked with a lot of women directors, <laughs> um, and they, they they wanted to cut it. They were like, "This kid, this isn't. She's strong." They wanted. To, they thought, oh. "Is there another take where she's stronger? This isn't her." I see. And then I made me think about like how, and then I because I saw a rough cut, and I was and I was just surprised that the emotional scene stayed. It's it's been edited um, shorter now, so yeah. a lot of the the emotion because a lot of times those hmm. I've done takes of a lot of things and the emotional like raw stuff doesn't stay in and I'm totally. just sort of like what's that about I'm like and I, and I so it makes me question myself as an actor I'm like am I pushing ah. am I is it not authentic is it too self-indulgent you know I have quite I haven't seen it so I don't know right like you question your taste in terms of the storytelling but what she said um, is that the the male um, sort of producers you know and studio heads were like this isn't in the character and isn't strong and whatever and she fought to keep the scene in because she thought it was a different layer of the character that we that no one's just strong all the time which i think is great yeah i i always say like you're the authority on the character the actor is the authority in the character so i almost feel like their viewpoint needs to be listened to in terms of what's cut yes and no there was a moment there was a moment what i was um I think I can I can name names with this one. Can I name names with this one? <laughs> uh, Matthew Weiner was shooting and uh, was directing an episode of Orange Is the New Black, and uh-huh. I'm a huge a huge fan. I met him a, a few times. He's friends with Genji, and I met him at like a Time 100 event. And yeah. so when he was directing, I was so excited because I'm obsessed with Mad Men, Obs- like obsessed. Totally. Like, who isn't? Same. Yeah. Um, and so I was so excited, and I was um, and I watched him with an and I and I even I said at this point this was season. This is season four or season four. So we, you Mm. know, we, most of us knew our characters pretty well. And I was saying, well, I don't think she would do this. And then he was just like, well, this is the moment. And I was just like, okay. And then I saw him with another actor and, and she was saying, well, my character wouldn't do this. And like this related, she was, she was really fighting with them, not fighting with them, but like just pushing back. Cause she's, as as you said, she's been with this character for four or five seasons. She knows this character. And he Hmm. said, I don't know what to say to you. This is the moment. And what what was so beautiful for me mm. about that is that it was about letting go of any preconceptions mm-hmm. about what the character would have done in the past and being in this yeah. moment. And that he wanted to tell his particular story as a director in collaboration right. with the writer of the episode. Yeah. And we are tools for that. And... Mm. Um, if I'm not gonna trust Matthew Weiner, who am I gonna trust? Exactly. And okay. so then, so then there's a the piece. Yes, the actor knows the character, whatever. But then sometimes there's, yeah. sometimes it's like the act. We are, we can be self indulgent. We can be sure. We can. We want. I. I. I'll speak in the eye. 
I can be <laughs> self-indulgent as an actor. Yeah. I can want to, I've gone in and I want to have a big moment, right? Like, honestly, a Lord help me. I'm going to say this. I'm saying this out loud in, 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 in public. But, like, I want to have a big dramatic moment. I want to have yeah. a, like, you know, I want to cheer up some scenery. And I want to just, and it's not about that. If it's not serving the story, then it's And not it's not a, always about that. Yeah. And so then... I have to be in a space mm. as an artist to to be true to the wants needs, um, so that can, you can still be in the character because the character wants and needs a lot of things. I'm Laverne. I'm in this moment right now talking to you, mm-hmm. and I'm still Laverne. I want need. I need things. I still have my unfulfilled need. I'm yeah. operating on a lot of different levels right now. I had you know, I had you know. MRI gone wrong this morning and I have a heart monitor on and there's all these a bunch of stuff going on right now with my body and I'm but I'm still Laverne but I can modulate and I can yeah. and I can the Lavernism talk to said. you in a number of different ways yeah. and I and this can go in a lot of different directions so we actually have no idea where this is going to go totally. and that is the space too that we have to constantly create as actors that we don't That's know space. we yes. don't know it's like that embracing the uncertainty thing it's the mm-hmm. it's sounds like improv and Meisner and that stuff like you obviously you recommend studying improv absolutely and I love I pure Meisner is frustrating (laughs) oh yeah pure Meisner is like yeah it's yeah. a little tedious for me, to be mm-hmm. honest. I love Brad's approach to it, Brad Calcaterra's approach to it, that um, I think Sally Johnson was his teacher um, who sort of adapted Meisner. She studied mm-hmm. with um, Meisner and sort of adapted his process for film and TV. And I think it's great. Meisner's great for film and TV because it really is about creating yeah. a new moment. That, each take. Um, each take, yeah, yeah. That each take has cool. to be new and fresh. And I, you know, sometimes I see actors who they get it and then they move on. But then for me, I'm always like, I like options. I mm-hmm. like giving. I like being able to try it a lot of different ways. I like... Um, Which is often not the case in film or TV. You have maybe two takes, three takes. For TV, for sure. Yeah. Film, in film too, yeah. It's like oftentimes. It depends on the film. It depends on the director. When I... Um, Remember, I when I did Orange when I first started Orange, I had my back story in season one that mm-hmm. Jodie Foster directed. God, it's just such a... Ah. It's a beautiful thing to be able to say. Jody was the first time she had done television, and she liked a lot of takes. Oh, okay. And oh. I got a lot of overtime for that. Thank you, Jody. That's um, hilarious. Oh, <laughs> but she likes a lot of takes. Yeah, and. I like a lot of takes and so I got to try it a lot of different ways. Cool. And so then it just, I, I mean, I live for that. I live for just like, wow. for options for me and just to get it all out, you know. Yeah. But it's not always time for that. Like you said, directed by actors is a very cool thing. Yeah. They, under, they know how to communicate. Agreed. Agreed. There's something about the way um, Laura Prepon said the, yeah. the note to you. That yeah. Triggered that inspiration. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah. I also love this idea that, like, it's specifically for TV. It's not true for theater or for film that you're four seasons in and you do feel, like, maybe a little cocky, like, I know this character. Mm-hmm. And maybe that can sometimes, you're saying... Don't limit yourself. Don't like you well, got to trust if somebody else comes evolve. in. People can evolve. I mean, people yeah. can evolve, and there can be certain things about a character like that they that they walk a certain way because they had an injury, or they talk a certain way because they're from a certain sure. region or whatever. But people's emotional lives can evolve, and people can traumas can make people do different things. When I was in um, mm. when I was in season five, when my character was in the shoe and um, in solitary confinement, yeah. what I what I loved about that 
season for me is that because of the trauma of the isolation of solitary, mm-hmm. I got to kind of have a totally new character in a way. It felt like it. Was it. A, yeah. it was a new Sophia, mm-hmm. and that was absolutely thrilling. Yeah. Another dimension to the same human being, Certainly but but, but the trauma well. of what she had been through allowed for this kind of new this new life. And um, it was really fun and exciting. And so um, it's a beautiful thing to get to get to seven seasons um, with the show and seven, seven years with yeah. the character to be able to really let them live, let them live. Yeah. And, and as we've, as you've said, using your own personal traumas in to, be, to bring to bear to mm-hmm. those trauma, traumas of the character, right? Like, you don't have to be super honest right now about what the traumas are, but it's safe to say that there were overlaps between your own trauma oh, yeah. and the oh, yeah. and um, Sophia's. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's funny because um, back in back when I was sitting with Susan Batson, Roberta Wallach, well, I was in her developing your own method class, and then I um I had a very intense. Uh, personal private moment mm. and I just remember Roberta almost sort of flippantly saying therapy therapy uh, oh, God. That, oh, God. but that that I needed that I needed to be in therapy because I mean the truth is with sense memory and it's very tricky for me and I and I and I go into it with Kimberly my coach I'm working with now very gently yeah um, because of how traumatized I am. It can be too raw. It like, can be too raw. Yeah. It can be I had moments in Susan's class where I was puking like I puked three <gasps> different times in really? class. Oh yeah, where I, the stuff was coming, literally coming up, literally. like physiological. Physi- it, yeah. It's physical. Yeah, and um, I didn't because the trauma was so. I hadn't dealt with it. I didn't know how to deal with it. It was it shut. Or, it can shut you down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if the trauma, if a trauma comes up in a sense memory mm-hmm. and it's too overwhelming, then you then you shut down, and then you actually actually not useful for the character. If you're shut down, you obviously can't use it right. for the work. And so therapy you became have to gently get to it. You have to get to it in a way mm-hmm. that you can use. Yeah, you have to get to every act for the acting. Use but again then, and again, and again. use again and again. Yeah. And sometimes for me, with sense memory, I exhaust the memory, and so then I need to use something else. With I've heard the, about that. Yeah, I, and so what? What I found more useful, particularly for film and TV, is the as if, particularly for intensely emotional stuff, the okay. Meisner as if. Yeah. So because that I can regenerate over and over gotcha. again. Okay. And the sense member, the sense memory piece, what you need, what Susan would say about it, is that what you need is the sensation of it. You need the sensation okay. of the memory. But I, for Rather me than, okay. personally, I think with my own trauma stuff, I have to be really careful. And what we work really carefully with um, Kimberly now to not. Um, to not have it be a shutdown, um, right. to have it be, and the thing that you, um, there's a therapeutic piece. So there's a therapeutic piece of going to talk to someone when stuff comes up, and then having a. I'm working in a somatic way right now to work stuff through and out of the body, and it seems like I'm about to, with everything's going, I'm about to have a breakthrough <laughs> with there. Um, but um, with the um, with the sense, what what you can use with the sense memory, really, particularly with the personalization piece, is there mm. um, when you're in. Um, doing the memory work um, and there's a personalization, Susan would often ask, and Kimberly does this as well, was there something you wanted to do or say in that moment that you didn't that you do? Didn't. And the regret say, say it now. But Ooh. what that is, is for me, and this is my interpretation of it, and I would love to talk to Susan about this actually, but it's um, the way I have interpreted it in my process is that's what you act. 
the thing that you did that oh. you wanted to say or do in the moment that you didn't say it now okay. that is the thing that you act that is what you use right. in in the scene because that really is the um Hmm. That's the unfulfilled. That's part of the unfulfilled need, but it's the thing that can, pro- can propels you. Um, well, it's drama. And also, in, in in a somatic in a somatic sense, and acting is not about healing this stuff, but somatically, right. it with the somatic work when you do or say the thing that you didn't say in a trauma t- when a mo- in a moment of trauma, right? Where the um in trauma um is she defines as my therapist is too much, too fast, too soon. Ooh, okay. And for the nervous system, and there's mm. something you didn't do or say, then there was a probably a shutdown, the fight, flight, or freeze, and it's probably a freeze. Gotcha. The something yeah. you want wanted to do or say in the moment but didn't say begins to get it out of the body because with the somatic work um yes okay with the right therapist right right, right, with the right therapist right and so obviously Mm. see when it's not healthy is when is when we um use drugs or when it's when it's jammed up when we use drugs or when we like are abusive to people or beat people up or act the ways and different ways we act out as human beings because there's something in us that we cannot deal with we don't know how to deal with it and it's physical and we have to get it out it has but we don't know how to get it out to do something physical to get it out yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so but i but you need a, a trained professional for you this need stuff. A trained but professional, yeah. Getting it out of the body. Um, sometimes you can do that vocally, but it's, it's usually physically. And um, there's Hence different ways puking, to do it, like on <laughs> in, on stage or in class or whatever. Lord, I, this is this I is mean, hard stuff, and people want to be actors. And I'm just like, are you ready? <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> are you ready to puke? You know, you can't ignore those traumas. In fact, you gotta use them. Like, yeah. this is getting even more psychological, but, like, you said the idea of using a sense of memory to the point that it's done. This at least idea in that like, moment. At least in that moment. Because I think you, it's not that... I don't think it, that it's done. I think okay. that sometimes you you shut down. Like, you cry so much over one thing, and then you just kind of get numb. Okay. You Have you cried so much like that you get numb it from down. it? Sure, sure, sure. At sure, least sure. in a moment on a day that, like, if but, it's about, like, a, you know, someone who broke up with you or, you know, someone... You just get so tired of crying that you just kind of get your numb. Your brain kind of moves on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or you just, or your body, your nerve, it's the nervous system shutting down a little bit. Um, right. And so... But it's not solving the trauma. No. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> okay. It doesn't solve it. It just, you yeah. it's just a shutdown that happens. And so right. then if to activate, I'm not, I'm not a person who cries on cue. I would, I would love mm. to be that actor who does. Mm-hmm. Um, but to reactivate, like the whole crying, okay, I just I freaking hate that. But like mm-hmm. it, it happens or it doesn't. Um, the as if is a better way to do that. Gotcha. It's a trick yeah. to get yeah. there. Yeah. It sounds like. Or a person. Sometimes it's a personalization, but usually, like there's a moment, and I, I did something, I did a, um, I did a show that, um, I didn't say that I had to cry, but I, it felt like I, it just felt like the moment. And yeah. I remember to get there and it wouldn't end up being cut from the show. Um, uh, of course. A lot of my crying moments were cut. Uh. But the what, the what, what I did was it was about the person, what the person meant to me. And then, um, mm. It was also about. I was about this. It was a. It was a negative story that I have. So like we, um, human beings are hardwired for story. God, this is like a, a bitch in therapy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but human. So human beings are hardwired for story, and a lot, a lot of times for me historically, the stories that I've told myself about myself are not really been so accurate. You're a piece of. Shit. 
it. You're no one's ever gonna love you, and um, you're ugly or whatever. The things, mm. the shame stories that have kept me, sure. you know, kept me small, whatever. And some, so sometimes what I used in that moment was the personalization. The, I I had endowed my fellow, you know, actor with mm-hmm. like I was in love with them, and in my in my mind, Almost it becomes substituting them for some. Yeah, yeah, there was a substitution piece, but then it mm-hmm. becomes the actor that you're working with that you endow with all the stuff. Yes. Um, so you have this sensation of, of love and maybe someone specific, but then once you have the actor that you're playing with, the substitutions, there's substitutions for auditions, but then once you're in yeah. it, you use the person that you're in the scene with. Yeah. And so that person is endowed with all the stuff. I think that's probably why so many romances happen on. Um, oh, sure. We, <laughs> um, so but anyway, intense. so she was, at, so she, uh, the, the character was endowed with um all this, the love stuff, and then the idea of losing that. That's a little bit of the as mm. if, yeah. but then it was, it was the as if, but it was that as if coupled with some of my shaming stories, right? Oh, okay. That like just was the perfect storm of, of stuff. And the, But that's like, that's like years of like kind oh, of yeah. figuring out like what what my shame stuff is. And like that, that yeah. I love, um, I've been in, and uh, um, Brene Brown in her latest book uh, Dare to Lead starts it off with this Julius Caesar quote what gets in the way becomes the way what gets in the way Mm. becomes the way and she in the context of her work she um talks about um, bravery and courage and, and vulnerability and and all these things but mm-hmm. she didn't get to having conversations about being wholehearted being brave and courageous by studying you know she's a researcher studying bravery and courage she got there by studying shame yeah shame it's is the, the thing that gets uh, keeps us from all those things and so mm. um she often says she got to dance with the one that brought you and so that has been so that's why and i think that's why instinctively when i discovered like the character's tragic flaw yeah. that that was a way for me to get in because that was the thing that was was sort of in the way and yeah. then um it's not always the way i get in but oftentimes it is it's like what is this I guess, and our flaws really are what make us deeply and beautifully human. Totally. Um, what I love about Sophia is that I find find her, particularly that first season, just deeply flawed in so many ways, mm-hmm. and um, so much fun to play. Just you know, people who are psychologically, emotionally well, who've like been doing their meditation and you know therapy, say. and just never you know do anything fucked up. It's like that's boring. That's super no not drama. interesting. There's yeah. no drama. It mm-hmm. is about the 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 tension of like like you said earlier. It's not the um. It's not the it's the unfulfilled need. It's not that your needs are met and you're just sitting there perfectly content as a person. Nobody's mm-hmm. like that. We all well, have I mean, little... people can get there from a lot of therapy and meditation and whatnot, but then <laughs> sure. that's not but that's not drama. It's not We're drama. not that's not a reason to tune exactly. in. <laughs> Which is often why that's it makes sense that your way in is the tragic flaw. Yeah. Your character. We're looking for the drama. We're yeah. looking for the thing the that's going to ignite yeah, the conflict. Totally. Um if everything's absolutely. mellow and fine, it's doesn't really make for TV. No, or, or film. Film or yeah. Or theater. Yeah. Or a reality show. <laughs> oh my God, totally. Right? The best reality shows are everybody's <laughs> fighting. Everybody's like, you know, going at each other's throats. The, the response to um and we, with trauma, the um when we're in trauma, do we get into this heightened survival yep. state, right? And so fight, flight, or freeze Adrenaline, are the yep. um are the are the things that the survival, you know, 
things that we go into when we're in um, trauma. The way shame works is when we're in shame, it hijacks our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And the three responses to shame when we're in shame is we move away, we move towards, or we move against. Moving away would be fleeing. Moving Uh towards would be like, um, Brene Brown gives this great example, like... um, this um she's she had just come back from a conference and um a really important conference and her husband had to take care of the kids for like a week and so she's in carpool lane and then this rolls down her window this another mom from her school um is like where have you been for all you know for this past week she's like oh i had a conference at a work conference and she's like your husband's so good to be taking care of those kids while you're away and <laughs> and the woman just kind of like basically shames Brene. She tells the story in her work, so I you know I'm telling her business. And the woman shames Brene for being away for a week and uh-huh. basically accuses her of being a bad mother. And like Brene's kind of like uh. in this whole thing of like probably feeling a little guilt because she has been away herself. But then they had a, she had a conversation right. with her husband. We got this. The family can kick in. Yeah. You, this conference is important. Go and do this for your work. And the woman mm. shames her. And what Brene says in this moment is that moving. <laughs> moving away would just be like, you know, going, you know, moving away, just like saying, okay, not and, dealing with it and yeah. then just kind of like shutting down in relationship to it. I'm mm-hmm. fine with this, what this woman has done. Moving towards would be saying, yeah, you're right. You know, you're the best mother ever. I should learn from you and sort of placating. <laughs> and yeah. but that's not really how you feel. And moving against is like, oh, Girl. oh, bitch, yeah. what are you trying to do? <laughs> and how dare Calling you shame you me? Right. You need to be worried about your own children. This is what we see on reality TV, moving against the moving against. <laughs> okay. And so these okay. and but this these are the fight, flight, or freeze responses. So shame and trauma function They're in very much related. the same way. Very much the same way. Knowing this as uh-huh. an actor, it's 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 gold because yeah. right, we have these are the moments that we, we can craft a moment use yeah. us, using this, right? This is a character in shame right now. What is she gonna do? The active thing is to move against, right? But then it it might not mm. be in the character for the person to do that. And so maybe they right. move, move, move away. And so there's a shut what is the cool how do we portray shutting down and what does that begin to look like totally. too because we might have to, to actually do that. perform it perform it yeah. yeah we might have to do that for a character cool. so it's really it's really interesting and so i think we have to become through students of human behavior and there's always something and i think yeah. that i think for me as an artist is like what do and part of it is about like not having anything have power over me but then like sometimes something comes up and you just it's just time to address it and I think for the artist, maybe for the human being too, mm. what is what is getting in the way today of me um, being fully free? Mm. Um, is there something owning me? And if, is, there, is there something that if someone found it out about me, that would send me into a tailspin? Yeah. And if <laughs> there is that thing, I that's the thing I need to like reckon with reckon. right yeah. now. That is what I must reckon with and like do go through a process probably around like speaking it if because shame shame does not like to have words wrapped around it Ooh, um, when we okay. speak when we speak shame it just dis- is greedy with empathy it dissipates 85% and so it's so important right. to like speak the shame to someone who's earned the right to hear our story right so we this can't just go yeah. therapy or a good friend or mm-hmm. you know sponsor whatever it is trusted you're, you're doing trusted acting class perhaps yeah, yeah. an trusted acting class and making sure creating a safe space in an acting class Brad did that so beautifully mm. so that that 
you can not be re-traumatized because like when shame comes up and it's not greeted with empathy, we can be re-traumatized or um, go further into the shame if we, if it's greeted with like more shame. Yeah. It's Um, very easy to, I love this idea that you said earlier about like, you have to be gentle in approaching those things. Absolutely. Because a lot of this conversation, like I love that you're contextualizing this as like acting is so great. It's so fun. It's so, um, you know, it can be very emotionally healing or emotionally fulfilling, but you really, its a, this is like a cautionary tale interview where like, you have to be careful. Well, acting <laughs> is actually, I mean, I, I, I'm very careful. My teachers remind me this all the time that acting is actually not about fixing it. Acting is mm-hmm. not therapy. No. Acting is about using it. And so the, 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 the work once we've brought it up and used it is to not have it take us out so that when the director says cut that I'm not still wanting to commit suicide or whatever I mean I think like when I the um Season five, when I was in solitary, and because there's a moment when it, it, it's where basically where I try to kill myself, oh, yeah. and that's what happens with um, you just people said in yourself, solitary. and you're not talking the third person; you're talking the first person right now. Well, that's that's what it is, <laughs> sweetie. That's what it is, I know. <laughs> and it's great. and so then my job is to go to a place where I in my life where I wanted to kill myself, and there have been moments, you know. Um, and you got to use it, and, and you can't re-traumatize yourself. And well. You kind of do have to, <laughs> okay. as an actor, you do, in, yeah. in the scene, you do need to be traumatized. Mm. Um, but when the director says, cut, how do you get out of it? Yeah. How do I That's get out of it in a place? And I'm so grateful that I had um, a ther- great therapist at the time that I could go to and say, like, this all, all this stuff I had to, you know, use for this for this work. And I, 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 I'm having, you know, some feelings right now that yeah. I might, you know. And so then... It's not, it's not, the tricky thing is like, is that it's not real, but it is like, cause it has to be real for you mm-hmm. as the actor because it just, it needs to be real. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not, it has to, it's a very fine line to walk. It's very fine. And the, and, and, and the brilliant thing, and also the scary thing about the nervous system, the brilliant mm. thing for the actor is that the nervous system does not know that a trauma happened 20 years ago. Totally. totally. So once triggered, the nervous system experiences the trauma as if it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. That's great for the actor because you can just be in the moment and use it. <laughs> During however, the However, yeah. however <laughs> when, the, when the director said cut and you're done for the day <laughs> and you don't need to do it again tomorrow, then how do you um, get the nervous system back on track? Yeah. And have there's I mean there's specific somatic things with their their help now skills that get you in to the moment of feeling your feet on the floor hearing a sound there's smells wow. yeah. that you can do to to ground yourself in the moment resourcing is a big thing in somatic work but sometimes mm-hmm. when the I'm finding right like the past few several weeks that like it's been hard to to use those resources, sometimes the nervous system is so overwhelmed yeah. that resourcing becomes really hard. And then it's just like, it's sometimes it's a help now skill, it's about something. And then kind of getting into a space of like, this is not real and trying to take yourself out of. And the big thing about somatic work is both and. So, right, these feelings of these suicidal ideations can coexist with like, resources that are uplifting and beautiful and awesome in oh, the body, okay. specifically in the body. So it's about both. And when I'm in, when I go to my therapist, 
And I'm like, I'm feeling anxious today. And she's like, where do you feel that in your body most? So it's all about the body. And then so I get we get clear about where I feel the anxiety most in my body right Mm -hmm. today in this moment. I'm feeling it all through my I'm feeling it in my stomach and my gut is coming up through my chest and in my um, throat all through mm-hmm. here is where I feel it the most and then where and then she would ask me where do you feel it less where is it less or where is it positive or neutral in oh. your body specifically and in this moment it's in my um, it's in my ankles um, my mm-hmm. calves are feeling kind of neutral I wouldn't say positive but neutral and so I then see. she would invite me to tr- focus my energy on my on my um, ankles and on my on calves the okay. on the neutral or the positive and so then I kind of focus my energy there for a minute I'm doing that wow. right now and as I continue to do that I swear to you the anxiety that was coming up all through here yeah it's still there but it's just a little it's less yeah it's less. It's super physiological. It's less. And the great thing about that for actors, I mean, it's just, it's so weird because I really yeah. am in therapy, like heal myself. I'm not like in there. But like, but I, but the, but to manage, to manage all the things that you have to bring up as an actor, yeah. it's so, it's kind of crucial. And all the things that come up when you, um, when you begin to have a career that takes off a little bit too, that's a whole other thing. There's a lot but of the pressure, last thing I'll yeah. say about that is that the great thing about this, the both end of the somatic work is that the, the in our bodies, this anxiety can coexist with something that's neutral or positive. Mm. And so then when the, when, when the director says cut and he has, he comes over and needs to give you a, an adjustment yeah. and you, you're able to hear the adjustment and not <laughs> be in, in it's, it's still there, but then it can also, it can, you can um, turn it down a little bit. It's like you can turn it down a little bit. It's always like the volume that you can turn up or down mm-hmm. on you're whatever not, the sensation you're still is. You're acknowledging that it's there. It's, yeah. It's turning and it, then, yeah. but you don't want to turn it down too much because there's another take. Yeah. And then you got to turn it up a little bit. Wow. Um, and so that is, that is, I'm so glad. I'm, honestly, I'm feeling better as I talk about this. Because um, yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking about the neutral and positive in my body mm-hmm. right now. Um it's a skill. It's a skill yeah. you got to learn for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like that's uh, very, very helpful, specifically with on-camera acting. Like, yeah, an emotional yeah. scene. Oh, girl, girl. <laughs> it was I am nerd. so curious to see how this is going to turn out. I know. I, like, sometimes when I like go on my little romps and like I get like really <laughs> it's very technical and really like like I'm like, well, is this? Is anyone gonna follow this? I would love I'm, like people to comment, like or people comment. Do people comment? Sure. I haven't noticed. Like, no, can we, you? Are you following this? We can, can you get some feedback? This? No, I know because this was <laughs> psychologically deep and technically deep, which is exactly what I want. This okay, is really everything. Good. But to wrap up, like, I mean, that's always it's key to ask for the like. What is your advice to working actors? Mm. Having said all of what you just said about like. You got to expose the wounds. You got to get down to the layers of the bean dip and then find the tricks to add on the other layers. Like, Mm -hmm. what about like doing it? What about the aspiring actress, the early career actors? Like, do you have a message of hope maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have a lot of things to say to to young actors. Um, I think... I think the big thing, what 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 I learned, what I've learned in the six years since my career sort of took off, I guess, is that my career would not have taken off if I wasn't emotionally prepared to handle it. Mm -hmm. I I don't think, I don't believe that God, higher power, universe, 
whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. gives you more than you can handle. Certainly, we see child actors who, you know, become famous and they obviously can't handle it. Yeah. But I think that, like, doing the work, the foundational work, Brad Calcaterra calls it the foundational work to prepare yourself for... Um, people being critical of you, people mm. like just just attention, just a lot of being, mm. in, I don't know if there's anything that can fully prepare you, but doing the foundational work mm. of working through and healing shame. Mm-hmm. And because cause that piece, because shame will come up the next the first, second someone says a negative comment, the second someone calls you fat or ugly or impugns something about you, mm. that can be really debilitating and devastating. Mm-hmm. And then I think, too, working on yourself psychologically and emotionally so that, um, and Brad talks about this a lot. Go to Brad Calcaterra in New York. If you're yeah, in New totally. York, go train with Brad. <laughs> because one of Brad's, um, a Brad-ism is that an adjustment is not a judgment. Okay. And mm-hmm. adjustment is not a judgment. And so then even, yeah. you know, sometimes because we as actors bring up a lot of stuff and so we're raw on set, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. And then a director will say something and we just and we're taking everything personally because we need to take everything oh, yeah. personally as actors. But it's but from the director, no. no. So in the scene, yeah. yes, but from the director, no. And so getting into mm-hmm. that space where you... Um, are really taking care of yourself psychologically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. That the work, you, you have to, if you want to be an artist and, a, and an actor, I, I believe, you have to do a deep dive with yourself and you have yeah. to find a way to take care of all of this stuff. And, and some people don't have as much trauma as I have and some people have more trauma sure. than I've had. Yeah. Um, and so finding a way to take care of that so that you can hold space for that with... A career um, gotcha. is crucial, and then I think too yeah. that you that you train that you um understand you train as much as possible, and hopefully find really great teachers mm-hmm. and be committed to the process. If you must love it, if you don't love it, you should do something else because gotcha. it's not worth it. Yeah. Because it took me, I moved to New York in 1993, and I thought I would be a superstar, and you know. Two, three years tops. Yes. And um, <laughs> my breakout moment happened um, 23, 20 years later. Right, right. 20 years later. I mean, you got to manifest it, but you also, you, you do. And I did, and I did, but I also, I meant, I, I do my gratitude list in the morning. I do my manifestations. Lovely. But it, it was about God's time, not my time. And I was not ready mm-hmm. a minute before it happened. And so then it's like, mm-hmm. are you willing can you wait 20 years? You know, are you, do you have that black right. that don't crack? That ah. can, <laughs> or are you going to be okay with however your, your black is cracked or whatever, your white is cracked or whatever, being okay with that and using that too. Whatever that means for you. Um, yeah. On screens, because it's all, because it really is all beautiful, right? Um, mm. So that you're okay, okay with whatever, with how long it might take for yeah. you, that your journey is different. And then yeah. are you going to be okay what are your goals? Do you really want to act and be an actor and tell stories? Um, right. And is there a sense of, um, what is the purpose and service too that is bigger than you? Because oh, I think too, mm. I think honestly, a huge reason why I, I believe the reason I um, probably was got some quote unquote success when it happened mm. was because I, Sophia was necessary. Um, the voice that I, um, had that was part of a, a larger trans community was necessary in the world at the time. Right. Um, there was a lot of service that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. That 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 it's it, none of this has been about me. 
Right. Even though I have to take care of myself and and, and mind myself and excavate myself, that ultimately right. it's about something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And so then, as egotistical and as self-absorbed as most of us are as actors, and I, I am, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm copying to that. Um, what is the service? What is the bigger cool. reason why yeah. we're doing this in a way that really is selfless, that yeah. really is about something that, bigger that's bigger, than than that's connected to yeah. um, something something bigger and really connecting with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's crucial. That's and really then, useful too, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, have, I have a lot more to say, obviously. <laughs> but it seems I like we it. should just... Um, <laughs> Maybe wrap it up here because it's yeah. going forever. Thank How long you. have we been I talking? Know. No, I know it's been over an hour. Okay. Thank you so much for bearing for bearing your soul to me. I really, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Especially on, like you said, there are good days and bad days. <laughs> and but I showed up. Showing up is half the. You know what? Use it. Half the thing. What like is some? Said, someone says showing up is half the fifty percent or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. I showed up today. Thank you. Thank you, darling. In the Envelope, an awards podcast, is recorded at Lotus Productions, Hyperbolic Audio, and Big Yellow Duck in New York City, and Soundbox LA, Mark Krause Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tweet us at In the Envelope, leave a review. We want to hear from you. Visit Backstage.com for more content and resources for working artists. And don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with a free trial by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout. Thanks, as always, to podcast producer Wiz, Jamie Muffet. You can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Music NYC. You can follow me, Jack Smart, on Twitter at Jack Smart Writes. Thank you to the team at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting, Mark Stinson, Samantha Sherlock, Francis Ramos, Caitlin Watkins, and especially should-be Oscar nominee, Casey Howe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.